0: Is Calvin Noy the missing piece to the Baltimore Ravens defense? We talk about that and so much more coming up next year on Locked On Ravens. You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host here, Kevin Ostreicher of Ravens Wire. We're here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much, as always, for being here, tuning in, and making us your first listen every day. Unlocked on, on Ravens. We are free and available on all podcasts and platforms, including here in video form on YouTube. If you're here watching the show, it's the same show though, both audio and video form. So if you're an audio listener, thank you for tuning in as well today. Today's episode of Locked On Ravens is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free. LinkedIn.com/slash locked NFL. LinkedIn.com/slash locked on NFL to post your job for free terms and conditions apply and so yeah we're, we're gonna be talking a lot about the Ravens today as we always do here on the show but it's a little different because uh I hope everybody had a good Friday because it was a, it was a busy Friday wasn't it for this Ravens team they signed Movin Gordon Kyle Van Noy visits the team and we're gonna be talking about both Van Noy and Movin Gordon today also Rashad Bateman and J.K. Dobbins but talking about first of Kyle Van Noy is the missing piece of this Ravens defense the final piece of that puzzle in the Ravens defensive room. Then, second, we're going to be talking about Melvin Gordon, his analysis, my analysis on the move. If I liked it, if I didn't, we did talk about this a little bit on the live show we did on Friday night. So, if if you're tuning in after the live show, thank you so much for doing that. And we do go live every time there's a Ravens move, and we'll be going live after every preseason game, every regular season game, hopefully every playoff game, hopefully every Super Bowl game as well that this Ravens team plays. So turn notifications on. For that, then we'll be talking about JK Dobbins, Rashad Bateman updates. What's the latest on those guys? So, trying to talk about on the show. Let's first get into Kyle Van Noy, though. At the time of this recording, at least nothing has happened. The Ravens have not signed him, there hasn't been any movement or news outside of that. The Ravens you know, they visited with them, or the, the report is that they visited with them. Now, a lot of people, myself included, are excited about this potential. Now, the reason is because we were talking so much about Dewan Smoot, Dewan Smoot, and, oh, th- this could be the move. It's a great – and I thought it would be a really good one. DeJuan Smoot is somebody who – could have made a lot of sense for the Ravens, but on Friday morning, we got the notification that he was signing back in Jacksonville. So seems like that was a little bit of a leverage play by Dewan Smoot and maybe something leaked by his agent or something like that to get it out there that, oh, you know, hey Jacksonville, if you if you don't match his price, we're going to go and, and look at other teams. So DeWan Smoot goes back to Jacksonville, but funny enough, Calvin, Noy, and Dewan Smoot have the same number of sacks over the last four seasons and 22 and a half. Now, I'm excited about Van Noy for multiple reasons. He can play both inside and outside, has inside-outside versatility, but not, not in the way Dewan Smoot does. Dewan Smoot has the inside-outside versatility in terms of he can play interior defensive line or as an edge rusher. Kyle Van Noy, he can play as an inside linebacker or an outside linebacker. Now, the Ravens don't really need inside linebacker depth, right? They have Roquan Smith, Patrick Queen, Trenton Simpson, Malik Harrison, et cetera, et cetera. But it, it's nice to have the versatility and, and certain looks you can deploy Calvin Van Noy here. Maybe in certain situations that would warrant that. But where I like Van Noy as a pass rusher, and people are kind of wondering why would they bring in a Van Noy when he, Justin Houston is right there? Maybe they go after a Jadavian clowney. Why why Van Noy? Van Noy is a savvy veteran, two-time Super Bowl champion. He knows what it takes to win. He is a leader both on the field and in the locker room by all accounts. And he, you know, he's had his fair share of experiences. People look at, at the resume for Kyle Van Noy, and it might not blow you away as much as like Justin Newsom Justin Houston has a ton of sacks in his career. Kyle Van Noy, and a half sacks ever since coming to the league in 2014. Now, part of that is the fact that particularly in New England, he played mostly inside linebacker. That's where that versatility comes in. Played outside linebacker with the Chargers, you know, played some outside linebacker with the Dolphins, and obviously some in New England as well. But Justin, Justin Houston has, you know, all these gaudy 10-plus sack seasons. Kyle Van Noy doesn't have that. You know, over the past four seasons, six-and-a-half sacks, six sacks, five sacks, five sacks. But at this point, he's probably one of the better options for what the Ravens are looking for. And he's he's not young. Kyle Van Noy is not young. He's 32 years old. But compared to Justin Houston, it is he's young compared to Justin Houston. And my whole theory about, well, why would they look to go younger when they already have in a guy who is older but is still producing. My my thing is that it feels like with Justin Houston, much like we talked about with Clay's Campbell for so long kind of got to start managing the snaps and we kind of saw that to an extent where you don't want to have a guy perform super well in the beginning of the seat well you do you want to have him perform really well throughout the entire season but you don't want to have you know great start and then immense fall off we literally saw that with justin houston last year right had nine sacks before the bye week was on a tear was you know incredible and then just kind of fell off a cliff had 0.5 sacks missed out on his incentive you don't want to have that. And now that Justin Houston is a year older, look, I would love Justin Houston back in Baltimore. I'm not saying that I'm opposed to it. If if that's the move they make, I'd be totally happy. But I'm saying, the difference between a Van Noy and a Houston is with Van Noy the Ravens will be less inclined. I think they'd be less worried about trying to manage snaps early on in the year. Do you only play a Justin Houston in certain third down pass rushing situations? Do you keep him on the field for consecutive series at a time? With Kyle Van Nooy, you don't have to worry about that as much, if at all. Kyle Van has also been very he's not only versatile he's been very available for for the teams he has played on over the last four seasons 17 games 16 games 14 games 15 games going back from 2022 to 2019 so you know here and there his you know missed a couple of games but he still is very durable he has 33 and a half career sacks as i talked about 470 career tackles as well 10 forced fumbles three interceptions so while he you know does have the versatility he's not necessarily a a turnover machine, I guess, does have one force fumble, at least in every season since 2018, a career high of three force fumbles in 2019 with the Patriots. But, you know, coming from, he's a Belichick guy, comes from a Belichick system. And I think for what the Ravens are looking for right now, obviously you want to have players who contribute in, in huge ways. They go out there, get as many sacks as they can. But if, and obviously there there are a lot of ifs with the Ravens this year, if Adafi Owe, David Ajabo can produce even to 75% of what I think the ideal expectations are for them, you don't need a Noy to go out there and get you 10 sacks. He can be a situational leader who, you know, maybe not as like situational situational as Justin Houston would be based off of snaps and, and, and situations, but someone who... Goes out there when called upon, makes big plays, timely plays, can be a leader on and off the field for you. Because Adafe Owe and David Ajabo hopefully are taking the leaps that we all hope and expect they will. So the look, the reason why Justin used the reason why Houston had to step up so much last season, not that he wasn't good, not that he couldn't do it. Well, it was because no one else really did in that outside linebacker room. And I think, oh, it was not producing the way that we expected him to. David Ajaba wasn't ready yet. Ty Bowser was still coming back from his injury. There there was a lot of, oh, well, always going to be the guy and then Oway wasn't the guy. So I think coming into the year, if you remember, I think a lot of people had penciled in Oway had kind of surpassed Justin Houston to, for a lot of people as that number one pass rusher. And then Houston kind of jumped them right back because, oh, wasn't producing. So this year, if it is Van Noy, like it just makes a lot of sense because to me, I I've said it ever since the Ravens signed Rocky I I have pound of the table to say, yeah, sure. Corner's still a need. It'll be great if they sign somebody in that room, but you know, who is it? Bryce Callahan is a Chris Harris Jr. Who knows? But I've been saying that edge has been the team's biggest need since the Ravens signed Rocky Hacin, but just because you, you essentially cannot be three deep at the position. Baltimore seemingly knows that they've, they've been looking again, DeWan Smoot, now Kyle Noy, Justin Houston. You know, you could make an argument that, hey, even if it's not Kyle Van Noy, if it is a Houston, if it is a Clowney, if it is a Yannick Ngakwe, even, that could be like the final piece. If, again, if the young corners can step up, if Adafa of Owe and David Ajabo can, can take steps, if the young defensive line can do this, that, and the other. But I, I would really like the Kyle Van Noy signing personally because of the versatility, the production, the age, which is not young, but it's not Justin Houston old, I guess. And that's not a shot at Justin Houston, by the way. The, Justin Houston's a lockdown Ravens legend here in, in the lockdown Ravens uh, community. But I do feel like Kyle Van Noy, if, if the Ravens were to move off Justin Houston, Kyle Van Noy would be a very nice replacement for him and essentially just give the Ravens another option. A pass rusher. That's really what they need right now. Coming up in the second part of the show, we'll be talking a little bit about Melvin Gordon. My analysis on that move. Talking about why it's it's meh, It's kind of a meh move. What's good about it? What's bad about it? We'll talk about that coming up next here on Locked On Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. And these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. It's really important that you get your hires right, and you want to be 100 certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available, that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. And LinkedIn's helped me a ton personally in my life. I have a ton of friends and family members who also have used LinkedIn to find jobs or just look and reference their site for other jobs LinkedIn is a really great tool you can use and it's super easy to use it and also create a free job post over on LinkedIn jobs you add your job the pro hashtag hiring framed your LinkedIn profile spread the word that you're hiring they have simple tools you can use like screening questions that make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can really prioritize who you like to interview and who you would like to hire and start in the year strong it's really important to do that and the right team member might be able to help you do that it's why small businesses, right landing jobs number one deliver. And quality hires versus the competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to fast. about your job for free at LinkedIn.com/slash/lockedonNFL. LinkedIn.com/slash/lockedonNFL uh, to push your job free. conditions apply. We're back here. It's our second segment of Lockdown Ravens here on Monday. Kevin is still here with you on a very exciting week, right? This this is training camp week. We've waited so long. Footballs, it's right around the corner. Obviously, training camp's another step here. So we'll of course be breaking down training camp content here. Unlocked on Lockdown Ravens throughout the rest of this week, obviously previewing it before it kicks off officially, and then getting into the details of what's going on every single weekday. But let's now talk about Melvin Gordon a little bit. If, if you caught the live show on Friday night, you know kind of where I stand on this. And I, I want to say it again. I'm The funniest tweet, this is a little backstory, the funniest tweet I ever posted, at least what I personally think, is when the Ravens signed to Sean Jackson. Of course, everybody hated the move. Everyone's like, why in the world are they doing this? I was like, all right, whatever, I don't care. I found highlights of his longest catches. The first one was from like 2009. And all I said in the tweet was, this is the Ravens' newest wide receiver to Sean Jackson. And all the responses were like, these are highlights from the Obama administration. And I was was dying. I love that tweet. So now every time the Ravens sign a veteran, I try to go back and find like the oldest highlights I can and be like, Oh, this, it's an absolute steal for the Ravens. So I did that with Melvin Gordon and some people didn't realize it was a joke. So I wanted to say it was a joke. It was really funny because look, Melvin Gordon, Wisconsin, Melvin Gordon was my guy. He was my guy coming out of that draft class. I was obviously Todd Gurley was in that draft class too. I I wanted the Ravens to to draft. Melvin Gordon, unfortunately did not happen. Now, Melvin Gordon, you know, he's played for the Chargers, played for Denver, won a Super Bowl on the Kansas City practice squad last year, comes over to the Ravens, and it's a move where I'm just kind of sitting there like, okay, I (laughs) sounds good, I guess. Like, Gordon's not a needle mover to me. It's a move that I kind of give like a CC minus. I... It's a one-year deal reportedly up to $3.1 million. And when you when you hear the up to, usually there's some form of incentives. Now, we don't know the base style, at least at the time of this recording. Maybe the, the specs have been updated since this. But right now, we don't know, you know how much of it is guaranteed, how much of it is incentives, what the incentives even are. So that, that will, I think, give a little more insight. But Gordon is someone who... Struggles with fumbles. is actually not a terrible pass catcher out of the backfield. And we do know that Todd Munkin, you know, the Ravens have kind of been pumping up. Oh, hey, we're gonna, you know, get the running backs more involved in the passing offense, and we're gonna make that a big part of the game this year. So Gordon does fit that skill set, only had 90 attempts, 318 yards, two touchdowns last year with Denver. That was 3.5 yards per carry over the course of his career. Obviously, that started in 2015 with the then San Diego Chargers. He's accumulated 1,567 carries and had 6,462 rushing yards, 55 touchdowns. Also, in the receiving department, as I talked about, 309 catches, 2,467 yards, and 14 touchdowns there. Now, the thing with Melvin Gordon, when you think about Melvin Gordon, is the fumbles. And one fumble that sticks out that was not called a fumble, that should have been a fumble, and I'm still mad talking about it, is the one in the 2018 wildcard game. Where Gordon, you know, went across the goal line, but the ball came out right before, and the Ravens end up scoring. Marlon Humphrey ends up taking it in for a touchdown, and obviously Melvin Gordon scores on the next play there. And the, Lamar came back in that game. I remember, you know, he was getting booed. You know, fans wanted Joe Flacco, and credit to the Ravens for sticking by Lamar because Lamar and Michael Crabtree almost single-handedly brought them back in that game. But that was just, it was a disaster game overall. The remember the the turnstile well, It was either left tackle or left guard. Or one of the maybe it was right tackle. I kind of blocked that on my mind, but Gordon in that game played a factor. Gordon, nowadays, you talk about the fumbles. I looked up, and again, I I said this on the live show for stat news apparently, you got to pay for it now. It's like $20 a month or something. It's, It's ridiculous. So I wasn't doing all that. But based off what I could piece together from that, I looked up, you know, most fumbles since 2015. If you're talking about non quarterbacks, non quarterbacks are the most fumbles since 2015, which was Melvin Gordon's rookie season. Melvin Gordon leads the league in fumbles by non-quarterback players in that span. 26, he's had 26 career fumbles. And there is no other player non-quarterback wise who has more than that since 2015. He is essentially, he fumble machine, right? It's, it's not good. He struggled with fumbling the ball, got him benched in Denver multiple times. And that's something that, you know, John Harbaugh doesn't tolerate a bunch, right? Now we saw the whole thing with J.K. Dobbins and, and John Harbaugh saying, you know, you got a big heart in there, you know, you know, we love you, but I don't know if it's going to be that way <laughs> if Melvin Gordon fumbles and makes the team. Now, that's the thing, right? Makes the team. I don't even know if he makes the team this year, personally. It see, yeah, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, Justice Hill. A lot of people when the Melvin Gordon signing happened were saying, well, what does this mean for J.K.? What does this mean for Gus? I don't think it means much of anything, to be honest. Like, if he makes the team, he might be, just be a game day inactive. Another guy, if he, if he misses the roster barely, maybe he's a practice squad guy. Like, that to me wouldn't be shocking overly if the Ravens just decide to have him in training camp, get him acclimated with the team a little bit, you know, cut him right at final cut down day, and then put him on the practice squad as one of their vets there. And maybe they can call him up when they need. You know, maybe Dobbins needs some time off. Maybe Edwards needs some time off. Who knows? Who knows? Gordon can be a veteran option for you. Still, again, still a solid pass catcher out of the backfield is not the worst running back in the league, but with all the other guys out there like uh, Dalvin Cook, Zeke Elliott, some of the others too, kind of leaves you scratching your head where if they wanted a running back to play a bigger role for them, I think they would have maybe gone after one of those guys as opposed to you know signing a Melvin Gordon, who I think at, at this point is probably more... Likely than not, a camp body, a veteran guy in that room. Remember, the room is pretty young overall. You know, they they had Mike Davis in that room last year, Kenyon Drake as well. That's this signing essentially is what Kenyon Drake or Mike Davis was to them last year. Kenyon Drake was obviously much better than Mike Davis was, but that essentially is what it is—a guy who is there in case of emergencies, and whether he makes the roster again is to be determined. But a guy who's there in case of emergencies and just can give you just preseason snaps, honestly. Like I don't expect JK Dobbins to play in the preseason. I don't, I don't expect us Edwards to play in the preseason. We'll talk about that a little bit coming up in the final part of the show. But if you maybe start with justice Hill in the preseason games, go to Melvin Gordon in the middle and then end with Keaton Mitchell, maybe that's what they want to do. And I'm, I'm a big Keaton Mitchell guy. Personally. I, I love what he brings to the table. I've Dante Demas and Keaton Mitchell. If you've been listening to me, if you're an everydayer, you know, those are my two undrafted free agents. Those are my guys, but I think that right now, Baltimore added someone who is not going to make a huge impact this year. Maybe he, maybe there are injuries, and maybe he has to. But at this point, I'd probably just give the move a C, a C minus. It's just like a meh move to me. Like some people are saying, this is this is the worst move ever. Melvin Gordon, he's he's awful. He's terrible. Again, I I don't think he's good. Like I don't think he's good anymore. Like he's not what he was in his prime. But you know, for somebody who maybe just come in, give you a couple of quality snaps here and there, it's fine, I guess. Like oh, Calvin Noy again, I would be much happier with Calvin Noy if that signing happened than I was when Melvin Gordon was signed. So that's where I am with that. But coming up in the final part of the show, we'll talk about Rashad Bateman updates, J.K. Dobbins updates, also previewing a bit of training camp. So be sure to stay tuned. The last still to get to on On Ravens, we're back here rounding out Locked On Ravens here. On a Monday again, super exciting week here. Kevin Oshryker still here with you as training camp is, oh, it's right on the horizon. It's, It's coming up. I'm really excited about it. And, you know, football feels like it's so it's been so long. February is such, you know, so far in the past now, like, you know, where I was in February versus where I am now. It's so long. So now that we have a training camp now right up against or right there now, it's exciting. But let's first talk about the updates to Rashad Bateman and J.K. Dobbins. We got, you know, word on Friday. It wasn't just Van Noy, it wasn't just Melvin Gordon. The Ravens placed seven players on different injury lists, five on the PUP list, and a couple on, on different others. You know, J.K. Dobbins, Patrick Ricard, Mike Thomas, Pepe Williams, those guys, Rashad Nichols were all placed on the P.U.P. list. Tyus Bowser was also placed on a list. And then you had uh Rashad Bateman who was placed on the did not report list and people are kind of, you know, out of everybody who was put on those lists, those seven guys, I just mentioned people were freaking out about Rashad Bateman and freaking out about JK Dobbins. Now, luckily at the end of the article, like the press release the Ravens put out, they, they said that, you know, Hey Eric Cass has spoken to Rashad Bateman and he expects him to be present very, very soon. And on Sunday night or Sunday evening, we got the word that Rashad Bateman was activated from the, the did not report list. So that in itself is good news. Is he going to be on the field come the first day of training camp? Maybe, maybe not. We know that what happened with him is the cortisone shot in his foot. And we got clarity because I think when that news broke, a lot of people were very worried about what does that mean? Another surgery has to happen to get the screws out. John Harbaugh clarified. I think it was maybe that evening of the day after or one of the two that the screws had already come out of Bateman's foot. So Bateman had the screws put into his foot for the surgery and then he had them taken out. I don't, I don't know if they ever said when they were taken out, but they were taken out and then Bateman was having some discomfort, some pain in that foot after the screws were taken out. So that's where the cortisone shot was. And that's why, you know, he wasn't participating in mini camp and in those workouts. So that, that was much better news than if the discomfort was happening with the screws in, and then there had to be another procedure or the screws hadn't come out yet and they had to take him out, and that was that recovery. So that in itself was fine news. Now, the fact that he was then placed on the the did not report list, people were like, uh, what does that mean? <laughs> and Everyone was kind of wondering. I The fact that he's active, we don't even have to worry about that anymore. The fact that he was activated, that was the good piece of news here. Now, for J.K. Dobbins, there was an update about for you know, the for the whole running back situation, just very briefly. Obviously, we know Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs did not get long-term deals with the uh, Raiders and the Giants, respectively. So the running backs took to Twitter, and J.K. Dobbins retweeted a bunch of that. We talked about that on Monday show and there or Tuesday show, I think it was. And there was a lot of there still is a lot of controversy about the position. J.K. Dobbins again retweeted those messages, and they ended up reporting. I forget who did it and when it was reported, but there was going to be a Zoom call or a meeting with some of the top running backs and reportedly JK Dobbins was in that meeting to talk about. And there were like, there were probably 10, 15 running backs in the meeting. So not necessarily exclusive, but you know, some of the top end guys in the league. And we don't really know what that meeting consisted of, if there's going to be any action taken from it, but just an interesting little tidbit, because as we do know the presumed hold in with JK Dobbins during mini camp, because of the presumed uh, this, this with his contract, it's not, not a small piece of news with J.K. Dobbins. So not only that, but the fact that he was placed on the PUP list, they're kind of wondering, well, is he going to be on the – because apparently he did report. But is he actually going to be on the field or is this going to be another hold-in situation? If I had to guess, and again, I don't have any insight on this, but if I had to guess, purely a guess, I would probably say that he is on the field, first day of training camp. And if he's not, it is due to the injury and being on the PUP list or I'd say when he's first available, because I don't, at this point, I don't know if he's going to be activated from the PUP list before training camp starts. So if he's on the list, obviously it's no dice, but by the time he's actually activated from the list, I don't, I would anticipate him not doing the whole hold in thing when it's training camp, because you know, you're missing out on money at that point. And that is just, I don't know. I don't think JK albums would do that. Just hold in like that during training camp, but we'll see. It would open up a, very interesting uh, <laughs> interesting uh battle with the running back position. Speaking of that, obviously with training camp coming up, let's let's dive into a couple of guys to watch out for. We'll get more in depth on these as the week goes along before training camp starts. But I'm really excited to see what Keaton Mitchell and Nante Demas, as I've talked about, brings to the table. Super excited to also see guys like Isaiah Likely, Charlie Kohler. What, what's their role going to be? The left guard competition. That's another one where you got to kind of look at it and say, well, is Salah going to be the guy? Is, is Ben Cleveland going to step up? What about Daniel Fialele? Defensively, there are a lot of guys, right? Like the young defensive lineman. How is Travis Jones going to look? Justin game, Gambrad, Washington in, in bigger roles with Clay is Campbell not there. Is there anything to say positively about Lafayette Owe oh, and David Ajabo? I'm, I'm certainly expecting so. We saw a lot of that already during OTAs and mini camp. I'm expecting a lot of good things from both of those guys. Inside linebacker wise, where does Trenton Simpson slot in? Where are they using Trenton Simpson? Where are they using Kyle Hamilton? Even where, where are they using a guy like Brandon Stevens, right? Geno Stone is someone that, that cornerback competition as well with Ardarius Washington and Kai Blue Kelly, Jalen Armour Davis, Pepe Williams-Williams was placed on the VUP list. So again, probably not going to see him until that whole injury situation is figured out. But then also, what what does the 2nd year Mike McDonald's defense look like in Baltimore? And what does the first year of Todd Munkin's offense look like? The whole thing. And obviously, I'm super excited for Odell. Obviously, Bateman, if he's on the field, super excited for him as well. And Lamar, right? Super excited to see Lamar and figure out kind of where his comfort level is his training camp goes along. There's no quarterback competition in terms of the starter, but the backups, you know, Tyler Huntley, Anthony Brown, Josh Johnson, those guys I think will all be competing a little bit. So it's going to be exciting to kind of – figure out where these guys slot. And obviously preseason's is going to, we're going to learn a lot about these guys as well. There are also a couple of undrafted corners that, that I really like. So maybe a guy or two could make a huge impact during the preseason and, and make the roster that way. But Todd Munkin's offense, just they're not going to show everything in training camp, right? Like they're, they're not going to do that. And preseason is very vanilla. You, you don't, you don't show your hand in the preseason because it's just not worth it. Right. The, those games don't count. Now, if you remember the Ravens do have that massive preseason winning streak that I think, I think a lot of people are just ready for it to end. Cause it, it's a storyline every single season. And it's like, Oh, the Ravens are such tryhards and they win in the preseason. And I'm like, well, the Ravens, like it's, they do the thing that every other team does. They don't play their starters a full four quarters, every preseason game, but it's not like they're tryharding it or anything. Like the Ravens didn't even play their starters last preseason. They still won the games they played. So not only training camp and, and the Owings Mills practices, but also the joint practices with the commanders. That's going to be really big as well just to figure out, you know, because it gets really boring and tiring and you kind of get fed up with playing the same guys over and over and over again in every practice. So you want to get a, a taste of new competition, and that that's what these joint practices are. So it's really exciting. Again, fo- football has been a long time coming, right? We obviously – MLB's in full swing. The Orioles have kind of made this transition a, a little bit easier for basketball, I'm big Denver Nuggets guy, if you don't know. So them winning the championship was huge and me watching that playoff run, but life is just not the same without football in it. So I'm excited for it to come back here. And of course, again, five days a week on Lockdown Ravens, we'll be covering it here for you. We'll go live after every Ravens move, every Ravens game. And, you know, even after probably the the stadium practice, we'll probably go live after that too. So turn notifications on audio and video form for that. If you're an everyday, I really appreciate you tuning in every day, listening, supporting. If you're new to the show, I hope you enjoyed. Welcome in. And hopefully you come back, you can subscribe audio and video form. Same show. And if you're somewhere in the middle, thank you for your support as well. Tell a friend, tell a family member if they're they are Ravens content. They want that. You know, if they're a Ravens fan or also a fan of an opposing team. But thank you so much for tuning in today to Locked on Ravens. We'll get back here tomorrow, more Ravens content. Of course, I'm sure to stay tuned for that plan to talk about on Locked on Ravens. See you right back here tomorrow.